the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our worldwide audience for another episode of the Rescuers Radio Show. You can hear every episode of the Rescuers Radio Show every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, faithtalk1360.com. And please go to the rescuersradioshow.org website where you can hear all the shows on podcast. We're at about 110 or something like that. And uh, also, this is a a listener-supported show, so you'll find a way to donate if you're so obliged uh, through that website as well, uh, rescuersradioshow.org. So my guest right now, I'm so excited. I've I've known him for quite a while, and now we get to, uh, to talk really uh, about where, what he's doing and, and what, how he got here so quickly uh, in, in his life. Uh, Sam Burba, executive pastor at Shiloh Community Church. Hi, Sam. Hey, Art. It's great <laughs> to be on with you. Oh, man. I, it's, uh, it, this is a thrill for me because I have known you through several other things that you've done, and uh, we're going to be talking about all of that. But, Sam, uh, so that our, our worldwide audience gets to know you better— uh, please walk us through your backstory and um, how did you get to this place in your life? Yeah, absolutely. let it roll. Okay, great. Well, um, my backstory is an interesting one. Uh, looking back on my life, I've really seen the hand of God just work a hundred percent to bring me to this point. So I grew up in an amazing Christian home. I was very blessed to be born to two amazing parents that loved our family very much. Uh, actually born out in Houston, Texas. And uh, after about a year and a half, we uh, started moving along. And uh, my dad started taking next jobs and promotions, and the family followed him. And it was a great adventure for our family. Uh, But by the age of about 13 years old, um, I found um, a deep insecurity in my life and a a social anxiety and not having friends in my life, wanting friends in my life, uh, which then led to depression. And there were other things going on in my life with things related to internet and relationships. And by the age of 13, I started smoking cigarettes, um, using marijuana, drinking alcohol. And um, through my early high school and the late high school, that really developed into an addiction to ecstasy and then cocaine. And by the time I graduated out of North Carolina high school, I uh, moved to Texas to go to college. And my parents ended up moving from North Carolina out to Las Vegas. And when I got to uh, Baylor University. Yeah. I was uh, studying a dual major, and it was something I was actually very excited to do. 
But instead of going to the classes that I was excited about, I ended up uh, spending most of my time uh, bringing drugs onto the campus, selling them and getting high. And uh, so when I look back on my early story, I was unfortunately a child that had been given everything in life, a loving, supporting family. Uh, But because of not knowing how to communicate some deep emotional um, issues, um, I ended up throwing those things away. And that followed me through uh, college. And I remember after my first semester, I went home uh, for Christmas break. And I was there with my parents. And um, I woke up in the middle of the night. I couldn't sleep. I walk out into the living room. And um, I don't really know why, but I asked my mom. I said, Mom, will you pray for me? And she looked at me and she said, what about, like any good mom would? I said, you know, I I don't know. I Just will you pray for me? The reality of that point in my life is that I was also struggling with suicidal ideation. Oh, wow. um, I didn't want to live anymore. Mm. Uh, the depression was unresolved. The drugs were making that worse. Yeah. And um, so I went back into my bedroom, finally got asleep. Went back to Baylor for that second semester, and after that second semester, I ended up getting arrested. And um, through a series of events, my father ended up coming and picking me up from jail, Um, and that's how my experience at Baylor came to an end. And um, I remember driving back to Las Vegas with my parents, and I looked at my dad, and he said, are you done? Are you through? And I said yes, and I believed it. Um, Probably looking back on my life, it is the clearest example of being 100% powerless over my addiction. Because within 48, 72 hours of getting to Las Vegas, I had already found somebody to use marijuana with, which then escalated to a methamphetamine addiction, escalated being kicked out of the house. And um, in short order, after a couple months, I wasn't able to hold down jobs. I was living out of the backseat of my car, didn't have a home. And uh, Mm. by the grace of God, on July 21st of 2005, my mom wakes up in the middle of the night just praying for me. Oh, wow. And she uh, would tell me later that she walked by the front door and she looked out the front door. And, you know, Nevada's a lot like Arizona. We have the monsoons. And so uh, the monsoons were coming through and it was storming that night. And the lightning in the storm had lit up my car that was actually parked right across the street from her house. Mm-hmm. And she would tell me later that she spent about an hour at the door um, just waiting to see if I would come in, not knowing if she should go out. Eventually, she took that first step and went out to my car, and I was in a blackout state. I remember very little to nothing of that night, Uh, but she brought me out of my car into her house. Um, She took me down to a room in the basement that I'd stayed in prior, uh, locked the door, um, actually stuck a chair under the door, and waited till the morning to uh, take me to a treatment center out in Utah. Wow. And so she ends up driving 12, 13 hours to the treatment center. It's a It was a wilderness program. So basically they take all of your belongings. Um, you have a new change of clothes, a uh, tarpaulin that you wrap all of your things in, make your own backpack. Wow. And they hike you from morning to evening, and you do recovery, and you wake up and do it the same. In the mountain areas? In the mountain areas, over by Canyonlands, okay. actually. And wow. So it was beautiful scenery. Yeah. Um, but when I got there, started the program, they had to uh, take me out and put me in a hospital in Salt Lake because of the uh, amount of drugs and methamphetamines mm. I was doing. Um, I had actually made it where it was very difficult 
uh, because I have put uh, blisters down the back of my throat and into my stomach from the methamphetamines. Oh, my gosh. And so there was a time of uh, just recovering in the hospital, and then they brought me back to the wilderness program. And about three weeks in, they took everything that I had, so my backpack and everything, and they gave me some canteens of water. And in the middle of the night, probably about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, they started me walking down a dirt road. It was what they called night hike. And I remember my counselor there in the program said, Sam, you need to get in contact with some higher power or you are going to die. And I remember walking and, I don't know, got a quarter mile in. And then just um, my state of mind was more blasphemous than praise and worship. I remember (laughs) looking up at the at the stars and said, God, I'm not going to talk to you until you talk to me. Mm. And it was just um, an arrogant kid uh, crying out. And uh, God's grace was with me. Um, He allowed me to finish that first hike, started at 11 o'clock at night. I finished just before 7 a.m. in the morning. And um, I remember walking in and there was a, a group of guys and a counselor and they had a pile of books and the counselor told me to uh, kind of grab a book because I was going to go on what they called solo, which is three days by yourself. Oh, my. So no contact with anybody else. Get your food, get your water back. I remember going through those books and I found a little Gideon's Bible. And I picked up the Bible and I put it in my pant pocket. And um, they take me out to the spot I was supposed to stay in. And I set up my camp and I got letters from my parents. Um, they call them impact letters. And it wasn't just my parents, it was also relatives and friends. I remember reading through all of those letters and they listed out everything in my life, the way I'd hurt them. Mm. And when I got to my father's letter, it was incredibly impactful to me because I read through everything he had. But at the end of it, he said, Sam, I've made you have made yourself into one thing in life. You have made yourself into a very successful liar. And looking at my life in an honest assessment, my father was 100% correct. Not only was I lying about my addiction, not only was I lying about where I was going, but I wasn't even being honest with myself. I remember grabbing the Bible and I started reading through the Gospels and eventually got somewhere to Romans. And I got to Romans chapter (laughs) 5 where it said, but at the right time, powerful stuff, Christ died for you. And for what felt like a very long time, Mm. I just started weeping, just started crying. Mm. And um, I don't remember praying. I don't remember accepting Christ in my life verbally, but he started to awaken my spirit at that point. And I believe that's the verse and that's the time in my life he used to save me. And uh, just that prayer of desperation of God, please help me. Mm. And from that point forward, he uh, started giving me a passion for his word. So he started to disciple me out of the Psalms, started yeah. memorizing Psalms, sharing that with other guys. Long story really short from there, went to treatment um, in Prescott, Arizona. That's how I ended up in Arizona. Wow. And um, worked a program there, met some great guys that started speaking into my life, biblical truth. And after working two years in Arizona, I moved from Prescott down to Phoenix, where I um, did my undergraduate at Arizona Christian University. Yeah, got connected with a local nonprofit you're very familiar with, uh, sharing my story in schools. So, 
right now our audience is remembering, okay, he is the executive pastor at Shiloh Community Church. Yep. <laughs> and, and I'd like to walk through now the steps that God pre- presented you to to get from there uh, to the university. I mean, you, you, you have two uh, degrees now, right? You had a bachelor, and now you have a, a master's. And um, so, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a quick uh, walk through these, but I'd like for you to say a few comments about where these stops took you. Okay. Um, first is dr- uh, director of prevention for the a uh, great nonprofit, not my kid. Incidentally, Christian uh, Poland and has been on the radio show. <laughs> I love Christian. Christian yeah. is is a great leader of that organization. Yeah. And Debbie Moak and her husband, I think, got it started. Right. A ton of admiration and respect for the family. So there, you were doing what? So I actually started with not my kid, um, sharing my personal story in schools. Um, so I would literally go into schools across Arizona, had the opportunity to speak nationally for Not My Kid and even internationally, wow. um, just sharing my story to children. And that grew into then training speakers from there, developing programs and provincial modules for adult speakers, and then ultimately leading the prevention programs at the end of my time there. Um, when I was sharing my story and training speakers, two things really resonated um, in that time and that experience. The first was, is that no matter how far you go in your life, there is always a line of grace. Mm. There is always the potential for healing. Amen. It's never hopeless mm. until your life is over. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge thing that most people miss. Well, and you see the thing. look backwards to COVID and the pandemic, uh, the spikes were suicide domestic violence, and um, all of that can be straightened out in his hands, right? That's right. Um, So the next stop was uh, Governor's Office of Youth, Faith, and Family, and I think that's where we met for the first time was, I think, that organization, right? I believe it is the first time we met. And and there you you did uh, communications work, I think, or community work. That's correct. I actually had a lot of different roles at the governor's office of youth, faith and family. I came on as a program administrator for substance abuse initiatives. Um, and I started, um, administering some grants as well as overseeing the Arizona substance abuse partnership, which is a governor's appointed, uh, commission. Wow. And we had various work groups throughout the state, including data recidivism, uh, prescription drug misuse and abuse, um, and some other work groups as well. From there, I also took on the role of the communications director for the office. Um, I ended up serving a short term as interim director mm-hmm. um, and then uh, concluded my time there working in substance abuse initiatives. Nice. So you mentioned uh, you you went international along that way, too. Where was that? With Not My Kid, I had the opportunity to go uh, with the Mokes down to Guatemala. Oh, and okay. uh, we did some prevention programming down there. Oh. And... Um, it was it was great to see the kids come up after the presentation yeah. and say, you know, I'm struggling with the same things that you're struggling with in the States. Yeah. And they were looking for the same hope and healing and connection. Yeah. Wow. And proof, you know, God's everywhere anyway. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so um, and you were with Maricopa County uh, Public Health for a while. 
That's correct. Uh, so I, I transitioned from the governor's office over to Maricopa County Department of Public Health overseeing one of their uh, federal grants on the opioid epidemic. And there we were working with Maricopa County Adult Probate, or excuse me, Adult Corrections, Juvenile Corrections, uh, federal fun- federally funded health care centers, mm. uh, the Arizona Board of Pharmacy, all around developing wraparound services to combat the opioid epidemic. You re- you probably remember the doc- documentaries that I was attached to. I do. Uh, in 2008, we did The Crystal Darkness, uh, talking about the crystal meth uh, traffic in Arizona. Did, did you happen to serve on one of those call centers? I don't remember. I ended up serving on the second hooked. Excuse me, both hooks you okay. did. So when you were doing the documentary, the heroin on project the heroin and the opioid. opioids. Okay. Um, on the heroin, I served in the the call center, and um, also on the hooked in the call center on one of your advisory teams. Yeah, yeah, uh, boy, that was that was a powerful time. Uh, and you know those those things were happened in Arizona, and there was they were for sure God led. We're the only state that's ever pulled that off. Not once, twice, but three times with every station, TV and radio, same time, same day. It 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 had never happened before, and it hasn't happened since. Well, it's an important message, and I don't think it's one that you can get out enough. Uh, I would love to see if you could pull it off again. Honestly, <laughs> I think you could still find them on YouTube. <laughs> but but let's talk. I don't know how to do that now. <laughs> well, it was all God anyway, right? Absolutely. So. Um, if you're if you're just tuning in, if you're late coming in to the uh, to the Rescuers Radio Show, my guest is Sam Berba, Executive Pastor, Shiloh Community Church. So that was the next place for you, right? Yeah, going from Maricopa County Department of Public Health, I actually wasn't uh, looking for a job at all. Um, but the church that my wife and I have been attending for well over twelve years now uh, reached out to us and said, you know, we have this opening for an executive pastor. Would you prayerfully consider applying for the position? Wow. And, um, and you so had did. graduated from the uh, Phoenix Seminary, right? You know, that's an interesting part of my story okay. is, is a lot of my vocational career. I felt like I've had a foot in both worlds, uh, a foot in the uh, public health, social work field, uh, doing sure. prevention work, but then also a foot in theological training and education and teaching and preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was working at Not My Kid, I was also working towards my Master's of the Divinity from uh, Phoenix Seminary. Mm. And I ended up graduating from Phoenix Seminary when I was at the Governor's Office of Youth, Faith, and Family. Um, so when I had the opportunity to come into the pastorate, it felt like I was able to move more in the direction of my training and some of my personal passions. Very good. So uh, every step of that new growth in 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 you in in your life is just an amazing story. Um, as a what your your title right now is executive pastor. What are your duties most of the time? Are you, I know you do a lot of community work, and um, what exactly is that? Yeah, it's a great that question. Title. Yeah, executive pastor uh, for Shiloh Community Church because it changes from church to church. So I do the business back end of the church. I also work with several ministries and oversee them and and provide insight. Um, we are just now starting. I'm excited for where the church is going. Looking at where we're going to be in five years and some strategic planning. Uh, so we're finalizing that process and hopefully we'll be able to build out more what our footprint's going to be in the community. Nice. Uh, but I will say Shiloh has been around for about 40 years. Oh, really? And one of the things that 
I love about the church is we have a community center that uh, God has just chosen to use in amazing ways. Mm. Um, our children's ministry director uh, runs what's called Tot Town out of <laughs> um, the community center. It sounds like a small thing. It's a huge thing. Yeah. Uh, so on Wednesday morning, she welcomes in the community and uh, mothers and fathers can bring their toddlers and they have a safe place to to play out of the heat. Wow. Uh, we do grief share, which is to help people process through grief. We have a major Celebrate Recovery ministry that meets on Tuesday nights and utilizes the entire campus. Um, we also bring in a ton of outside sports and activities that utilize our campus and gymnasium. Nice. Yeah. That's a great location. It's an awesome location. <laughs> we love kind of, it. Kind of centralized in uh, northern Phoenix. So um, uh, I'd love to partner with you on something. Who knows? You know, we've known each other for a while. Um, but, I, I, you know, I can I can only imagine the many lives that uh, that that you've been in contact with and and have actually uh, changed and, and saved lives. You've had that capability all the way through all of this. You may not be aware of some of them, but I got to believe that that's in that's in your story as well. Don't you agree? I mean, um, you know, when I when, you've had a huge impact yeah. with everything you've gone through. When I look back on my life, there were key individuals, Art, that um, stepped into my life. Uh, even when I was on the street, I would have um, actual police officers. I had a couple that would uh, take me for coffee and tell me that the direction I was going in my life, where it was going to lead me, they spoke truth into my life. Wow. And those are messages that I've held on to. Um, so what I'm passionate about is walking life alongside the people doesn't matter the background. doesn't matter if you've struggled in the mental health area or if you're just walking life. Yeah. Um, I want to walk alongside you. Um, I want to minister to you. I want you to understand the amazing grace of Christ. And I know that the God I serve is the one that changes lives. Mm. And um, so it's it's an honor to be part of that ministry. Absolutely. So um, uh, I know that uh, last week, I, I came over to visit you, and I didn't know at the time, but I, I got, uh, I got, I became part of a exercise that you were doing. Explain what that was, and and um, I became Natasha, by the way. Well, <laughs> and you played the role very well, but if I remember. You might have gotten in trouble with the law a little bit. <laughs> I, I served four years for inter, internet fraud. That's right. That's right. <laughs> trying to get out of a local jail. No, I think you were in prison. You were trying to reenter yeah. the community. Uh, yeah. And so uh, the the simulation was one called. Uh, yeah, it was shoot. a simulation, folks. <laughs> none of it's none of this is real. So uh, the simulation is actually run by the administrative office of the courts of the Arizona Supreme Court uh, downtown. And so uh, through some past colleagues I've been blessed to work with um, in the past, we were able to host one of those simulators at Shiloh. And the purpose of the simulator is to allow people that are interested in learning more about reentry. So people that are released from prison or an institution um, to help them understand some of the barriers that people face to successful and long-term in reentry to the community. Mm. Understanding that over 90% of people in prison will be released back into their community of origin. Mm. These types of trainings are really important. 
because oftentimes we look at someone that's cyclically struggling and we want to blame them for that struggle. Instead of understanding there might be real reasons that they're struggling in those areas. Um, So a training or a simulation like this helps us break down some of our stigma, some of our preconceived notions, and really look at the resources that we're able to provide. Well, I found out as Natasha, I couldn't get bus tickets. I couldn't get my ID. Um, I, once I had it, I had to go around the different stations to find what, where do I get food, where do I get money. And all of those stations you had, there were about 15 stations or something like that. And it was eye, eye-opening and and um, and very necessary for reentry, right? I, I believe it yeah. is. I mean, even the, the struggle you had, I was running the pawn shop. Um, so I was in the simulator. I was the one that was heckling uh, Art or Natasha. Uh, You're and, the one that gave me 20 bucks, I think. Right? Yeah, I think you yeah. were trying to hawk a plasma TV, and I got it for 20 bucks. Um, but, you know, that, that's reality. Yeah. What happens when you take everything you have to a pawn shop to try to to make it through. It's, yeah. it's very difficult. So uh, people listening to this program, how, how can they contact either you or or Shiloh Community Church? How do they? How can they uh, talk to you? Uh, the best way to do is through our church website. If you go to shilohcommunity.com, mm-hmm. you can learn more about our ministries. You can look on and see our live stream that's every Sunday morning. Um, and you can also reach out to our church office uh, through the website, and I would love to connect with anybody that reaches out. Yeah. So the website again is? It's shilohcommunity.com. Okay. Sam, this has been great. And and for as long as I've known you, I've, I've heard your story, but uh, to hear it again and, and be able to, to air it on Rescue, Rescuers Radio Show is a, a great honor for me. You are a rescuer. <laughs> well, thank you, Art. God bless, and thank you for being on. Thank you. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.